yeah. What a good night. What a good night. Man, we, uh, we're so excited that all of you are here. Uh, big special welcome to the parents of those getting baptized. We're so excited that y'all are joining us as well. Uh, it's going to be a fun night. Uh, real quick, are you guys excited about spring break? Anyone? Uh, who, uh, I know this is weird, so bear with me. Who, uh, who's going to Florida? Has anyone ever been to, yeah, okay. Uh, who's staying at home and not doing anything? Yeah, that's it. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing, and I'm actually really, really excited about it. Uh, hey, we want to give a big welcome to those of you that this is your first time you've ever been to H12, uh, and one of the ways that we want to extend a welcome to you is that we've got a room set up just for you right after the service. We have a VIP room right next door, and we've got snacks, we've got drinks, we've got a gift that we want to give you. So if you're new, then uh, you and the person that brought you, come join us right next door, and we want to get to know you a little bit. Now, for those of you that have been here, uh, you know that this is our fourth week in a series called Sola, called Sola. And the whole idea of this series is that uh, those of us that follow Jesus, there's, there's certain things that we believe, common beliefs. And we don't, sometimes we talk about them, sometimes we don't, so we thought it would be a good idea to have a whole series talking about what we believe as Christians, those of us that follow after Jesus. And so uh, tonight we're going to talk about a really, really common belief. We talked about a common belief last week. Tonight we're going to talk about one, uh, and that's this. God is creator. Common Christian belief, uh, God is creator. In fact, those of you that maybe you didn't grow up in church, or maybe you're new to the whole church thing, or maybe you don't even believe in Jesus, you kind of get this, right? Like that we, at least we as Christians believe that there is a God, and that that God is big, and that he created everything we see. And so that means the, the trees outside, the stars in the sky, you, your friends, everyone, everything in this room, there's a God that actually made that, a God that formed that. And so we, as Christians, believe that God is creator. And the cool thing is that there's so much stuff that God created that we invented some tools to see God's creation a little bit better. Uh, so two tools to actually magnify things. Uh, here are the two, uh, two tools. One of them is called a microscope, and the other one is called a telescope. Microscope, telescope, both of these things magnify. Uh, so if you want to take a closer look at something, then use one of these two. Now, there's a difference, and uh, you guys uh, already know this because you're smart, you're in high school, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and spell it out anyway. A microscope makes small things big. Pretty simple, right? It makes small things big, and a telescope makes big things near. Okay, so, so under a microscope, maybe you would look at like a human hair that's really tiny and small, but when you look at it under a microscope, it's giant and it's weird and it's got these layers and just crazy, like, because you're looking at it under a microscope and you're making something very small, very, very big. And then a telescope, well, it doesn't make small things big, it makes big things near. So stars, galaxies, planets, things that are far away, it makes them a little bit closer so that we're able to see a little bit better the size of those things. And so I thought it would be fun to take a look at a few things under a microscope and a telescope. So we're going to play a, a fun little game. Uh, you're going to guess what the item is that we're looking at under a microscope. Cool? Okay, so here's the first item. What do you think this is under a microscope? Snail, mushroom, mollusk, cinnamon bun. That's a great guess. All right, this is a banana. Isn't that weird? 
That's a banana. That's a banana. That was for Maddie. She, yeah. It's a banana, right? Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, Let's go back. Let's look at it again. Oh, oh the one before that. Uh, that's a banana. That's real life. That's a banana. Okay. Here we go. Next one under the microscope. Tetris. Yeah, yeah. It looks like the Mayan ruins, right? Like an Aztec. This. Okay, here it is. I haven't heard it yet, so I'm going to say it. This is a single grain of salt. That's a grain of salt. All right. Here's, all right, here's the last one under a microscope. That's it. That's real, by the way. Isn't that crazy? That's an actual real-life zoomed-in picture of a snowflake. Like, when I saw that, I thought someone made it in arts and crafts. That is an actual, that's some snowflakes clumped together. Isn't that crazy? I wish, I wish that we had some in Georgia. We don't. But that's right. It's snowflake. Snowflake. All right, now, now we're going to look, we're going to look at some things uh, through a telescope, right? So a microscope makes small things big. Now we're going to look at stuff through a telescope that makes big things near. So here's the first one. Uh, the first one is the Pleiades, and I know it's kind of tough to see, but it's those, it, it's those seven stars. No, 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 hold up, you guys are getting excited, I'm telling you what it is, you're not guessing, okay, this is the Pleiades, this is the Pleiades, uh, or, or it's a, a constellation known as the seven sisters, it's seven stars, you can so, kind of see the seven stars, here's what the Pleiades looks like under a telescope. Boom. Isn't that unbelievable? Check it out. This is, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read just a little bit about the Pleiades. It's an open star cluster containing middle-aged, so like 40 years old, I guess. Uh, mi- I'm just kidding. They're older than 40 years old. Uh, 50, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I just offended people in this room. They contain middle-aged, hot, B-type stars located in the constellation Taurus. Check it out. The distance, the distance of the closest star is about 400 light years away. 400. Now, check it out. Those of you that don't know what light years are, we don't have time to go into it too much. But, but a light year is the, is the distance it takes light to travel in a year. Now, uh, who knows how, how fast light travels? Fast. Okay, so it's fast, right? It's like 3.9 something, something. Check it out. 400 light years away, that's how far the closest star is. 400 light years away. Here's what it is in miles. The closest one, so there's ones further away. 2,000 trillion miles away. 2,000 trillion miles away, the closest star of the Pleiades. And check it out, all of these stars, all of these stars, bigger than our sun, every single one, bigger than our sun that we see in the sky. Okay, here's the next one. This one, you have to, you have to, uh, that's actually the constellation of Scorpius. And deep within the constellation of Scorpius, there's a thing called a butterfly nebula. So if you take a telescope, right, here's a telescope, you take the telescope, and it's got to be really powerful, and you point it in the direction, you point it in the direction of Scorpius, and here's what you find. 
So that's called, that's called the butterfly nebula. Check it out. The nebula, by the way, nebula is a dying star. It's a dying star, which means the star has had its time. Here we go. Whoop. Okay, so the star has had its time. It's going to pass away. Goodbye, star. That's what a nebula is. So this is what a star looks like when it's dying. Now check it out. Because it's passing away, it has become exceptionally hot. How hot, you might ask? Middle-aged Middle hot. That's a good one. I'll take that. Maybe even hotter. 359,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So, so if you guys thought today was a little warm outside, try 359,000 degrees Fahrenheit. This nebula, check it out. It's not 400 light years. It's not 400. It's 4,000 light years away from planet Earth. So if I shine a flashlight, the time it would take 4,000 years, that's how far away it is to get to there. All right, here's the next one. This is called the Cat's Eye Nebula. Do you see that fuzzy little thing right in the middle? Okay. Now, if you take a telescope and you point it right at that fuzzy little star right there, you find the Cat's Eye Nebula. Here's what it looks like. So this... This is a nebula, which means it's another dying star. Now, check it out. This nebula is about 3,000 light years away from Earth. Hubble telescope observations reveal remarkable structures such as knots, jets, bubbles, sinewy arc-like figures. Listen to this. In the center of the cat's eye, there is a bright and hot star. Around 1,000 years ago, this star lost its outer envelope. I don't know what that means, but apparently that means that's how a star dies. So you lose its outer envelope. Now, listen. Uh, producing the nebula. Because it lost its outer, uh, outer envelope, it's about 10,000 times brighter than our sun. 10,000 times brighter. So if that thing was the same distance away that our sun, 10,000 times brighter than our sun. And listen to this. It's losing... So because it's dying, it's losing mass. The star is kind of eking away. It's losing its mass at a rate of 20 trillion tons per second. 20 trillion tons leaving the star every second. Every second. Tri 20 trillion tons. The Cat's Eye Nebula. Alright, here's the last one. Uh, this one is actually the Whirlpool Galaxy. So, some of you may know this. The galaxy that we live in is called the Milky Way. And the Milky Way is a it's a Whirlpool Galaxy. This one Right in the middle, you kind of see kind of a, a, a fuzzy, hazy spot. This is what the Whirlpool Galaxy looks like under a telescope. Isn't that crazy? Listen to this. This is a galaxy like ours that has a world, uh, Whirlpool shape. It's 23 million, 23 million light years away. And just the radius of the galaxy, so going from the center to the edge is 43,000 light years. Which means, like, if you were to try to hug it, if you were to try to hug this galaxy, your arms would have to be 86,000 light years wide to try and hug this galaxy. That's how big this galaxy is. And in the middle of this galaxy is a black hole. For those of you that don't know, a black hole is, uh, is an area where nothing can escape, including light. 
So this, right here, 23 million miles away, and check it out, God made that. God invented that. He had the idea. He said, hey, so there's the Milky Way galaxy, and that's where people on planet Earth live, which, by the way, that's cute, because the Milky Way galaxy is not nearly that big, but it's got thousands upon thousands upon millions of solar systems, just like ours, and then we've got this small little sun that's a star. It's just a really small little star, and then smaller than that sun are all these tiny little balls of dust, and we live on one of them, and God created everything that you've seen on these pictures. God made all of it. He invented it. And so here's the question for tonight. Why did God create us? Like, I get it that God created us and he created these uh, galaxies and nebulas and all the crazy stuff we see in the trees outside. But why? Why did God create us? What's our purpose here on earth? I mean, I mean, couldn't God just be fine on his own? Why did he create all of this stuff that we see under a microscope, the smallest things that you have no idea of? Every time you, you, you put salt on something, you're putting little Aztec ruins on your food. And God made that, every bit of that. And he made this whirlpool galaxy that none of us will ever be able to visit because it's just too far away. And even if we were to visit it, there wouldn't be any place for us to go because it's just too massive and giant. And yet God made all of that. So why? Why? Why would God make that? Why would God make us? Now, the answer to this question is actually found all throughout Scripture. But we're just going to look at one specific passage. So I want you to go ahead and grab your Bibles. They should be under your chairs. Some of you have already grabbed them. And I want to look at uh, page 1150 at 1 Corinthians chapter 31. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Page 1150. Page 1,150, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Now, the question is, why did God create you? Why did God create us? And I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer. So sometimes we wait till sort of the end of uh, the message to give away the answer. I'm just going to go ahead and give it away to you right now. And I'm going to give it to you in two different formats. So I'm going to give you the really like churchy, religious sounding answer, and then I'm going to give you just the normal answer. So, so for those of you that have grown up in church and, and like you're all about like VBS and singing hymns and stuff like that, you're going to love this first answer because it sounds really, really intelligent. Uh, and then for the rest of us, okay, uh, including myself, I'm going to give you just the normal definition of why we're here on planet Earth. So here's the really, really churchy answer. Why did God create us? God created you so that your life would bring him the glory he deserves by magnifying his presence. Okay, so I'm going to say that again. God created you so that your life would bring the glory to God that he deserves by magnifying his presence. So that's the really churchy way of saying it. Now for the rest of us. God created you to be a telescope. God created you to be a telescope. Because, see, to glorify something or to bring something glory just means to magnify. And, and don't be mistaken, God did not create us to be a microscope. Because a microscope makes small things big. Our God is not small. He's incredibly large. He's giant. But a telescope, a telescope 
makes big things near. And we were created to make a big and beautiful God near to us and to our friends and our family. That's why God made us. Because there is a God out there who is big, he is massive, he is giant, he's bigger than you can possibly understand, he's more powerful than you can possibly comprehend. Like whatever it is you can think of, he can do it because he's just that good. And God is so smart and so intelligent and so all-knowing that there's never been a thought that's just, he's just happened upon. Like I've never, I've never really thought of that. Like God's never had a thought occur to him because he already knows it. He knows everything about you, everything about your family, everything about your friends, everything about me, everything about all of us, because God is smart, he's incredibly large, he's bigger than we can possibly comprehend, and our life's purpose is to be a telescope saying, look, come look, God is awesome, he is big, he's powerful, he saves me, he loves me, look, I want you to look, look at how big my God is. That is our purpose, not to be a microscope but to be a telescope, magnifying God. Now, here's, and, and, and I don't know why we've done this, but we've all kind of done this, and, and, and it could be our culture, uh, it could be uh, just like the family that we grew up in, it could be our church, whatever it is, but for whatever reason, we kind of live life where we, um, we take the telescope and we, and we turn it around backwards. And instead of making life all about God and all about how great and huge and amazing God is, we make our lives about us, right? And so we turn this telescope backwards and, and, we, and we kind of face it at us because we want people to notice us. We want things to be about us. We think life revolves around us. And the perfect illustration of uh, why I think that we turn the telescope around and make life about us is the selfie. It's the selfie. So let's talk about the selfie. Let's talk about it for a second. Because uh, I don't know if you know this or not. Um, here's what I realized uh, recently. Uh, the selfie, I used to think, I don't know why, I guess I'm naive. I used to think like, I guess people forgot what they look like. You know, like, like maybe you woke up in the morning and you were like, what do I look like? I don't have a mirror. Well, I can post a picture of myself to remind myself what I actually look like. Or like, I haven't worn this shirt before, so what do I look like in this shirt? Then I realized quickly, it's not for us, it's for everyone else. Because we want to remind everyone else what we look like. Like, in case you forgot, this is what my face looks like. And it's awesome. And this is what it looks like when I'm kind of sad. And this is what it looks like when I'm like really happy. And then, and, then, and then I got a new dress, and so, you know, selfie, what's up, right? And so you do that. Now, there are multiple types of selfie, by the way, and I made these up. I don't know if they're real, but here it is. Uh, the first one you guys are aware of, it's the duck face selfie, right? It's the duck face. And I get it. This is phasing out. But, but the duck face selfie is just that you got to make your lips as giant as possible, just in, like, just, you got to do that. And then you can't look happy, by the way right? You can't. You have to look like kind of sad, but also interested. And so that's what, that's what the duck face is. And so you're like, hold on, let me get my camera. All right, duck face, right? And you're kind of into it, but kind of not. That's the duck face. Okay, uh, next one. Ah, this one. Oh, I love this one. It's the half face, okay? The half face, because one picture can't possibly contain someone's full face. It's got to be... At an at a artistic angle, 
I, like, I, I don't want to see the other ear. Why would I want to see your other ear, right? And so you're like, you're like kind of in it, but then you got to turn it because, again, we're artsy, right? And so we get like, what's up, right? And it's like, the ha- like I'm having fun and there's people behind me. That's the half face, okay? The next one, by the way, uh, the next one's a little dangerous. The next one's called the neck crane, okay? It's the neck crane. And here, this one, this one, you fool people, right? Because you think that you're turning around the other way. But really, you're just neck craning. <laughs> and then when you do that, then, and again, for those of you that are older, if you haven't stretched, I wouldn't recommend doing that. It's going to, you might pull something, the neck, like, do this, because the selfie, I'm telling you, you got to, so that's the neck crane. Oh, uh, here's another one. Um, I'm going to call this one uh, platform leadership. Uh, platform leadership is when you do this. Right here. This is a platform, and then you lead with your face. And just, that's platform leadership. All right, here's the last one. This one, uh, this one was really big in like the early 2000s, uh, and, and especially in the era of MySpace. This was, this was what you did if you had a profile on MySpace. I call it the helicopter. And what it is is you got to imagine that there's a helicopter coming to pick you up. And as the helicopter is coming, they get a camera out and they take a picture of you, right? And so that's, <laughs> right? It's the helicopter, right? That's, that's, that's the helicopter. And so, you know, you got to really... You got to get this one down, and you got to make sure you get it. And so that's how you do the helicopter selfie, right? That's, that, so, so those of you that don't know, that's your guide to selfies. Um, also, this is, this, this, is really, this is really fascinating to me. Uh, and uh, no offense, girls, but girls are more, uh, they do this more than guys do. Girls will post a picture of themselves, right? Like, the picture is all them. It's no one else. It's just you. But then in the comment, there will be a Bible verse, right? So that, that totally makes it, like, just all about God, right? So, like, you know, you take, like, let's say you do the helicopter. And so, and so you do the helicopter. And then after you take the helicopter, then you post something like, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of me, all for the glory of God. Mess that verse up, right? So we do, so we do that. Like, that's, that's what we think. Right, and then, and then there's this too. There's, uh, this, uh, this actually is really fascinating to me. So we, as a culture, have dedicated a day, a day to selfies. And isn't it ironic that the day that we dedicated to be all about us, Selfie Sunday, is a day that used to be all about God. Isn't that interesting? Like, like there was a day when, when Sunday uh, was known as the Lord's Day and everything that we did was kind of like towards God. And even though, and, and this isn't correct theology, but some people would be like, well, I don't really care about God. But on Sunday, I care about God. That's how some people did. But now, even on Sunday, we turn it around and we make it all about us. Selfie Sunday. That's what we do. And then you get to verses like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It says this, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, 
do it all for the glory of God. So whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In other words, do it all to magnify God, to make God big, to make everything about him, to be a telescope. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And even, even the way we talk about God, sometimes we mix this up. See, we, we're so used to living our lives with a telescope turned around backwards that, that sometimes we talk to God that way. And we're like, God, I, I, uh, man, God, thank you for saving me. Yeah. And for loving me and for sending your son to die for me. And then you went to go prepare a place for me because you love me and you're all about me and this is amazing. And God, this is so good. And God, you look really small from right here, but I am so magnified right now. Thank you for being all about me. And that's what we do. But here's what happens. See, when we, when we turn the telescope around backwards, then God becomes distant and our lives become blurry. Because if you look at something through a telescope really close like this, it's just blurry. So when we turn the telescope around backwards, God becomes distant and we become blurry. But when you actually face the telescope the right way, then our lives becomes clear and God becomes near. So when we actually do this, we wonder sometimes why God is so distant. Maybe, maybe it's because we're all about us. And there is a big, powerful God that really does care about you. And he wants to draw near to you. And this Bringing glory to God, being a telescope, this is the reason we do baptisms. Like, th that's what baptisms are all about. And, and as great as it is to celebrate the life change that God has done in some person's life, that's amazing. But at the end of the day, we're celebrating the God who saved them. We're celebrating the fact that there was a God who loves us and he created all the stuff that we saw on the screens. And he sent his son to die for you. That's the God we're celebrating. And have you noticed that when, when we baptize someone, we, we lower them into the water and then bring them back up, almost like when you bury someone and then they come back to life. Or like when Jesus was buried and he was brought back to life. It's because baptism is all about him. It's all for the glory of God. This is the reason that we sing the songs that we sing. Because, not because we want to make ourselves feel good or point the telescope towards us, but because we want to point the telescope towards God and say, God, you are big. God, you are always with us. You are gracious to forgive us. By your power, we've been set free. Everything for the glory of God. And this is also why we do communion. It's the reason that we um, those of you that may not be familiar with communion, it's the reason that we break bread and drink grape juice. We do that for the glory of God. See, because 2,000 years ago, God came to earth, this tiny little planet that he created. God himself came to earth in the form of Jesus. And he lived a perfect life, 
He hung out with sinners just like us, and he lived a perfect life, never did anything wrong, never broke a single command of God. And then they wanted to execute him. And the night before he was betrayed, he took bread and wine. And he broke the bread and he said, okay, do you see the way this bread is being broken? That's the same way my body will be broken for you. And you know how we're like drinking this wine? That's like my blood that I'm pouring out for you because I love you. And so communion is not about us. It's about God. In fact, if you, if you flip over one page from where you're at to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. it says this. Right after talking about the fact that whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, do it all for the glory of God, he says this. For I received from the Lord, verse 23 of chapter 11. I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, you're pointing, a mag- uh, uh, you're pointing a telescope right at God, proclaiming who God is, proclaiming what God has done. And so now, we're going to have a chance to do that right now. And so right under your chairs, you'll find um, something that looks just like this. And, and before you open it up, I just want to, before you open it up, I want to say this. For those of you, those of you that have made the decision to accept Christ as your Savior, this moment is for you. So, so if there's ever been a moment in your life where you've said yes to Jesus and you've accepted Him as Savior, this is for you. However, for those of you in this room that you've never said yes to Jesus and you haven't accepted Him as Savior, I'm going to ask that you pass on this. And we're so happy that you're here. We're so glad that you're hanging out with, uh, with us tonight. But, but if, if, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, then we just ask that you refrain from this. Because this is for those of us that have put our hope in God as our Savior. And so this is for Him. And so here's what I would ask. If you, uh, if you open up that top section, you'll get a little wafer. And this is, this is unleavened bread, which is what they broke. And before you eat it, I want to read this again. And together we're going to take communion. And the whole purpose of this is not for us. This is for God. This is because of what God has done. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
And now if you'll take the, the cup. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And then listen, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You point a telescope at our God who saved us. That God made us to give him glory. God made us to magnify him here on planet earth. And so here's my last question for you. What would it look like? What would it look like if every moment of your life you were a telescope? How would things change in your life? if you lived as a telescope pointing to God? What would it look like in your friendships if you were focused on God? What would it look like with your family, your parents, if you were focused on magnifying God? What would it look, what would it look like at school? Because I'm telling you, when you do this the wrong way, this isn't the way that a telescope is supposed to work. This doesn't work. And so what would it look like for you to point the telescope at God and to glorify Him every day? So I want to pray for you that we do that right now. God, I'm grateful that you saved us. I'm grateful that you love us. And God, you are the best thing that's ever happened to us. And our lives get better when we magnify you because that's what we were created to do. So would you give each student in here the strength to be a telescope that points at you, to make a big and beautiful God near to us. God, give them the courage when they go to school tomorrow to magnify you. God, our lives are for you. And we're so grateful that God of galaxies created us and loves us. In Jesus' name.